The following podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, the growth of COVID, and the arguable death of the planet. Cheery, huh? Uh, We had, unfortunately, 390 cases of community transmission. Uh, Some are still under investigation, but at least 60 of those have been infectious in the community. And I anticipate, given the large number of cases we've had in the last few days, that unfortunately this trend will continue for at least the next few days. Victoria is facing new mystery cases and a big surge in exposure sites as the Delta outbreak spreads to more suburbs across the city. It comes as the U.S. is now averaging more than 110,000 new COVID cases a day, the most since February, of course, fueled by this Delta variant. Infectious cases in the community are triggering an explosion of more than 400 exposure sites from Bacchus Marsh to Bayswater, Craigieburn to Cheltenham. Tonight we begin with the wake-up call from the United Nations on what they call the unequivocal impact humans are having on our planet. Their once-in-a-decade climate report is out today and with it comes a warning about what could happen if humans do not aggressively change. Dubbo, Western New South Wales is uh, becoming a big challenge health-wise with 25 cases overnight. Hospitals across the south tonight reporting they are at a breaking point. More than 75,000 COVID patients hospitalized nationwide, roughly 9,300 new hospitalizations a day. Tonight, there are more than 400 alerts from Melton to Middle Park and Bandura. Health bosses say we're at a critical stage in the pandemic. The UN report says at this point we are not able to stop global warming for at least 30 years. Essentially, a hotter future is already locked in. And that's pleasing that the construction sector and traders have been very enthusiastic about coming forward and getting the jab and certainly getting back to work. Uh, safely has been an incentive for that uh, group of workers. Melbourne in lockdown overtime as a seemingly unstoppable spread of the Delta strain hits new suburbs every day. Tonight a major hospital in Houston putting up these outdoor tents to treat an overflow of patients. A future where extreme weather events like devastating fires, historic flooding and extreme heat are all more common. The threat in Australia is probably Uh, greater than at any point since March of last year. And we know that workplaces and households remain and continue to be the greatest source of infection. And that's why the Premier has set a vaccine target, hoping to rid the state of lockdowns later in the year. Dozens of hospitals in the state reporting few, if any, ICU beds remaining. The report's authors are essentially sending the world's leaders a final wake-up call, curb emissions and dramatically reduce consumption or face a world that is fundamentally different. New South Wales will get to um, 70% double doses by the end of October. And by mid-November, we hope to get to 80% double doses. And of course, um, I'm looking forward to those 6 million jabs occurring by the end of August. Around the world, fire crews are battling fires tonight on a nearly unprecedented scale. Tonight, Mississippi requesting help from the U.S. Navy hospital ship Comfort. The ship that came to New York, they say they now need help. With health officials warning the state's hospital system there could collapse within a week. 
scenes more reminiscent of horror movies now playing out right before the our eyes. Of us, the higher percentage of us that are vaccinated, the greater opportunities we have in the future and the greater opportunities we have um, to live more freely and safely. Hello and welcome to the ISOcast, your favourite isolation advice podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Cullen. Well, shit. It sure looks like my use of things can only get better as the intro music a few weeks ago was a little premature, shall we say. Sure looks like things can certainly get worse, and are getting worse, and not just here in Sydney. COVID has gone fucking gangbusters in the States. It's literally more popular than Fast and the Furious 9, which made a billion dollars at the box office. Why make trillions when we could make... Thanks, Dr. Evil. Honestly, I was having trouble comprehending the fuckedness of it all, so I decided to call Richard Hillier. Richard is a director, an actor, and a writer who runs Tooth and Sinew Theatre Company here in Sydney. He and I share a passion for visceral, personal stories on stage, and Richard is known for being direct to the point of bluntness, darkly fucking hilarious, and genuinely quite brilliant. A great combination of factors under these circumstances. So here's our chat from little earlier. Oh, and I should say that the FaceTime audio was being a bit of a fuck today, so I've cleaned it up as best as possible. Please excuse any weirdness. Let's blame the pandemic, shall we? Why not? Thanks, everyone. Enjoy. Hey, buddy. How you doing? Good. Stressful beginning, but oh well. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry, Rich. It's the fucking curse of lockdown life, isn't it? Every time somebody calls, you got to download three more apps. It's a fucking nightmare. Well, well, yeah, I was all like, I've set myself up and I was all like, okay, here we go. And I opened it and it, yeah, it was a lot of swearing, but it's here we are now. And <laughs> Outside of me stressing you out, dude, how you been? You doing okay? Um, yeah, fine. I think just the same as everyone else, just kind of pottering around, just kind of killing time yeah. until we're able to get back outside. So, but yeah, there's worse ways to spend your time than suck at home playing video games. So yeah. it's all good. I, I'm, I absolutely fucking picking up what you're putting down there, mate. I, I've been putting a serious dent in a lot of my gaming recently, which has been a delight. Um, but it, it's, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's looking like a fucking long, you know, a, a couple of weeks ago, Rich, on this show, I put like, um, it's only up from here, or I had some vaguely hopeful song, like, <laughs> as the intro, <laughs> and I, I'm starting <laughs> feeling that it was premature, you know? Yeah. Highest case load today, so, uh, I don't know, um, because you're starting to see theatres uh, cancelling their seasons for the rest of the year. So, like, the FIT has done that. Um, I'm pretty sure the STC, they've just cancelled a few more that were happening quite late in the year. So, and they're going to be the ones who are playing the closest attention to when things like that are going to be able to start up again. So, I reckon, hopefully not, but it's starting to feel like the rest of 2021, at least for theatre, might be a bit of a write-off. Oh, yeah, mate, 100%. Like, I can't really see us getting back into a zone where they're going to allow large groups of people to sit indoors for a, for a fair no. period of time. Ah, uh, well, 
it could, you know, in the end, it's obviously it's not haven't had the major catastrophes that they had overseas where, you know, you were getting 50,000 cases a day. So, yeah. I guess silver lining is that. <laughs> have you managed to get out there and get vaccinated, Rich? I have um, already, I've locked in for when I can get vaccinated, but I've got to speak to, I've got a blood disorder. Oh, right. It's a blood it's it's a blood clotting disorder, so I have to double check. I'm fairly certain. I'm waiting to hear back from a hematologist. Fairly certain that AstraZeneca is a defi- definite no because my disorder is mentioned specifically. And oh, watch out for that. Oh fuck, dude. Um, so Pfizer should be okay, but because my, you know, my appointment isn't for another two weeks, I think. And if I haven't heard from the hematologist, I'll just keep harassing them until they get back to me. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, no, not yet. Nicole has had her first. Yeah. And so she's doing the heavy lifting in the household at the moment. Standard, um, Rich, from what I understand. Yeah, well, you know, it's a floating through life has worked pretty well for me so far. <laughs> Why would you look to change? Why would you look to alter that? Just just do little and hope things work out. And if they do, you can claim that as your own hard work. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that's how uh, men like us, Rich, have got through life for so long. Why would we we stop now? I'm I'm totally down with you, man. Um, No, that's very good of her to do, dude. And that must have also been pretty fucking scary for you when you saw your exact disorder on the AZ list. Like, Jesus. Um, Well, it was... Just I actually googled it. Um, I just googled ITP. Yeah, actually, it's more the risk is that you, you'll get it right. from, uh, which is unusual because um, my disease is idiopathic, so you don't know why you get it. So here they're saying, well, you got it because of the vaccine. You just have a heightened risk of getting it, and so I'm just and mine's yeah because my problem is my blood do- doesn't clot. So you'd think I'd be a, a real guy because you know. <laughs> Get some a vaccine into of, him, folks. Pump him up. Blood, a little bit of blood thickening certainly wouldn't hurt me, <laughs> but apparently it might. So I'm just gonna give it a give it a wait because I was actually um, hospitalised last year because oh, no. I thought I thought I had COVID. This was back in March. Yeah, fuck. And I, I was at work and I just started to get very, very, very sick. Um, started shaking, so you know the typical, and it was right when all the what is COVID was happening. So I was like, I'll just go get a test, mm. and so I went to RPA, and I had to lie. That's how hard it was to get a test back then because they didn't want to give me one, even though I was shaking and you know delirious. Nicole had to take me because I couldn't take myself. Fuck. And man. um, so they hospitalised me because they had a very high heart rate. Um, you know very high temperatures uh so i was hospitalized for it and it turned out it wasn't covid it was conjunctivitis (laughs) what i just had this sort of i got hospitalized with pink eye last year (laughs) so i don't know it was just this incredible viral infection and what set it off was pink eye and so when nicole because nicole got sent home she was like because we'd seen like i'd been working we'd been i'd seen her family and so I uh, was like, oh, God, I've, I'll have spread it to all these people. And then Nicole wasn't allowed to visit. And then I was like, yeah, yeah, it's pink eye. Holy crap. What happened? You got pink eye. 
giving each other butterfly kisses or something? <laughs> and oh, so bitch. she just thought it kind of took my man card down a few because <laughs> I've had to be paralyzed for you know, conjunctivitis. But then I had to stay in for another five days because of the blood disorder because they always try, whenever I go to the doctors, they always try and cure it and they never do. So far. Good on them for trying, but, though, Rich. You've got to applaud that, you know? Every time yeah, you come yeah, in, I they mean, have a crack. I have to be grateful for them trying to prevent me from dying, but it can be quite inconvenient <laughs> uh, for my schedule. Yeah, I can see that really impacting on your uh, on your weekly plans, man. That's Yeah, well, I had to miss... It was actually because it was Nicole's birthday the, oh, shit. The, the, the day after I went into hospital. So, it actually, was inconvenient. Because I had all this stuff planned. Mm. So, fuck them. Fuck them. Um, Pricks, Rich. Fuck them. <laughs> and they yelled at me. They yelled at me because I felt guilty about lying. Because they wouldn't, they wouldn't give me the test because I hadn't been overseas and I hadn't been in contact with anyone who had. So, I lied because well, one of the places I work is at the Opera House. We just had Rita Wilson, Tom Hanks' wife. had oh. had her performance there and she had it. So, I lied and I said that I'd been working that night. And I ended up having like a proper slight shouting match with a doctor in my, because I was given a private room. And I had already told one of the nurses when I was delirious because I felt so guilty. I was like, I lied, I lied. I wasn't working with her. I'm sorry, I lied. And she was like, that's okay, we'll tell the doctor. And then this one doctor came in and he was like, oh, because I was kept in hospital because of the blood disorder. They found out by the next morning I didn't have COVID. So I was in for about five days, not five days, about four, um, because of the blood disorder. So that's the reason I was still there. And this doctor was asking me about, oh, so you were working with someone with COVID. And I was like, oh, no, I've already mentioned that I was just very keen for the test. And so that's not true. And he, he started to yell at me um, while I've got a drip in my arm and, you know, lying in bed, not feeling very well because they give you blood... Um, they give you blood products to treat my thing. And those products can make you really, really sick. So I wasn't feeling very well. And he was just going on like, oh, you can't waste resources like this. And then I just got my hackles up. And I was like, listen, the only reason I'm still bloody here is because of the blood disorder, which you decided I needed to stay in hospital for. You can rip this drip out of me right now and I will very happily leave. I just wanted a test. I didn't ask to get put into the hospital. And I certainly didn't ask ask you kept here so if you don't want me here you just say the word and i'll pull this drip out right now and i'll leave and he sort of you know got a bit sheepish after that and so i felt really good about yelling at our medical professionals during a pandemic <laughs> felt like a real <laughs> i'm sure that's just what they needed oh, <laughs> for their day what a shit show top to bottom and and you know while we yeah. can say like so many parts of this pandemic have not been handled in a way which we would all love and that's not just in australia that's that's fucking worldwide i guess i mean like yeah handling a, a pandemic is is something which is so above you or my pay grades but but regardless um at least the thing that's got good in australia is the fact if you do want a test you now can just roll down the road and get a fucking test and heaps of people are and that's great and no longer do people have to sit in hospital beds and lie about meeting tom hanks's wife in order to get a swab in their nose rich that's progress no i know it was well yeah we've had we've had to have uh some covid tests because the cleaner in our building got covid 
And so we all became close contacts. So we oh, all fuck. had to do the drive-throughs. And they came back clear. We, we still don't have COVID, so Great. still winning that race. So, you know, pats on the back there. I love that for you, Rich. That's that's real progress, yeah. bud. That's, me that's- too, <laughs> me too. Which brings me to the topic, Richard, of uh, existential dread. Existential dread. Pal, on a scale from one to 10, uh, with 10 being a quivering uh, mess, uh, you know, frothing at the mouth, and and one being absolutely fine skipping through the daisies. How's your existential dread? I'd say about a solid nine. <laughs> oh, uh, fuck, Rich, nine's bad. Uh, but mine's more to do with climate. Oh, uh, in yeah. regards to in regards to COVID, I'd say it's I'm pretty crazy with it. I'd say I'm about a four or a three. In regards to climate, yeah. it's a solid nine. So, yeah. So I saw the report came out this week. I haven't read any news on it because I thought it would just hurt my heart. But but why don't we yeah. just get you to hurt my heart right now? Rich, uh, what's the come up? Um, we've really, really, really got to do something um, really, really quickly too because I was already aware that um, how this whole – the Paris Agreement, we can't have uh, the – global temperatures rise to 1.5 degrees above average on the pre-industrial age. And I was already aware that we're probably going to hit that in 2030. And the thing is, everyone's plans are for 2050, 2050. And even then you sort of like, and they're just plans. Like everyone's sort of criticizing and rightly criticizing the Australian government for still pushing through with this gas-led recovery. Oh yeah, Jesus. That's... That's not just Australia. That's a lot of places. That's, you know, a lot of the European countries that you usually look at as, oh, wow, they're the really ones that we should be paying attention to, like Germany and Sweden. They're all having gas-led recoveries as well. Oh, Christ. Um, of all the money that's sort of being set aside for recovery, apparently only 5% is going to green energies. Yeah, right. And so they're thinking 2023, I think. Will sh- will be the largest jump in greenhouse uh, gas emissions in history. Mm. So the problem, f- from what we can gather, is it's going to get worse because with that um, report that came out, the UN report, um, obviously it's got a lot of people shaking. But I think it's already pretty much started to disappear from the news cycle. So I think people are going to forget about that fairly rapidly. And obviously, you've got um, old ScoMo saying that, you know, we don't want to commit to any targets because, you know, when you overcommit, you always have to pay higher taxes. And I'm a little bit over the whole, oh, well, if it's going to cost us money, then of course, let's not do anything to save the planet. If the only, if the thing preventing you from wanting to save the planet is you want to pay less tax then I think you're a bit of a piece of shit. <laughs> because, um, to say the fucking least. Well, it's just, it's just fucked. Where, and it's, I guess, and I think the people, the only people who would be like, well, I don't want to pay more tax because I don't care. I'm sure they would care if the planet was dying, but I think they just don't truly believe it. Yeah. The fact that those, yeah. those dates where they're saying, oh, it'll be really, the planet will be unlivable by, um, you know, 2,100, you hear some people saying, 
and you're like, oh, well, I'll be dead by then. So that's fine. So I don't give a shit. If I'm not around, then it's not a problem. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, and it is, and I do take comfort in that. Like I genuinely like, oh, God, that's horrible. But, you know, silver lining, I'll, I will assume that I'll be dead by then. Yeah, so, I would have beefed know. it. Not all bad. Um, I was even having bounce. that vague conversation with um, Margaret Theranos, who is our um, our assistant director on the Linden Solution, and I was saying to oh, her, yeah. you know, because I'm in, she's like early twenties, and I was like, mate, I'm so sorry, you're going to have an extra ten to twenty years after I beef it, where the planet's just going to be a genuine nightmare, like yeah, <laughs> where it's going to be well, full it's- Mad Max, you know. It's like everyone knows, you know, either has friends or family, or they themselves have children like i've got a niece who's four and you're sort of like oh really sorry avery you're like i don't <laughs> think you're not gonna have a good time by the time you're about 60 yeah um, yep yeah but yeah and it's- you've got all the all these places that you never heard of burning to the ground like greece currently yeah we're like going of all the places you hear about wildfires you're not you're not going to usually think of greece <laughs> The holiday islands of Greece. Yeah, yeah. you know, like, oppa, oh no. Um, <laughs> I saw it's- a, um, a fucking a, a side-by-side um, the other day of photos from Greece really recently and photos from the Australian bushfires a couple of years ago, um, 2019. And the comparison, the side-by-side comparison was just fucking harrowing, Rich. Like, it, like well, it's like looking into a mirror, you know? And what the problem as well is... Um, it, they've got different sort of vegetation in Greece. Like, it, obviously, it's horrendous here, uh, but at least they're eucalypts, and at least we've got lots True. of uh, different styles that, you know, catching on fire is sort of what they're supposed to do every few years. It's just getting worse. Whereas in Greece, they're pine trees. So when you burn those, they stay burnt. They don't, you know, spring back with, you know, fresh shoots and better than ever. They sort of like, oh, no, these are these are dead. These are gone now. Um, Forget it. Arabidechi. Yeah, these are gone. Like, so it's the same, like, and that's why the wildfires have been so bad in California as well. It's because they're eucalyptus, you know, forests as well. But, you know, Greece and Turkey and, you know, when you hear about Brazil and the Amazon's on fire, you're like, oh, dear, that's that's gone. Mm. That's burnt. Mm. That's Forget gone. It. Yeah. So. Let alone the portal to hell. Did you see the portal yeah. to hell the other week? Oh, is that the... Is that the one where it's just this, there's like this mine that's been burning for like 50 years? Dude, it's the one. And there's a hole you can. That one does exist, yes. But also in the ocean, BP had another thing off the Gulf of Mexico where um, their oh, yeah, yeah. oil caught, caught fire. fire in some kind of spiral in the water. Like, it. it may look just like a scene from a disaster movie, but this is real. This video captured today when the ocean caught fire in the Gulf of Mexico just west of the Yucatan Peninsula. Those dramatic images of the ocean aflame quickly going viral on social media. Some people calling it an eye of fire, while others said it looked like the portal to hell opening up. Pemex, the Mexican state-run oil company, says an underground natural gas pipeline sprung a leak that caused that mid-ocean fire. A number of firefighting boats pumped water the ocean onto the fire. was on fire. Until it was and, and, you know, that's just too... You're sort of like, if you can't put out a fire that is in water, I don't know how you put it out. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like, what are you going to do? water on it. 
It is literally based in water and it's still burning, so I don't know what the plan B is. Yeah, me neither. Uh You look at that and go, fuck. And then in the midst of all of that, as you say, you know, our our dear leaders coming out saying they're going to do a gas-led recovery. And it's like, folks, you know, this whole wonderful, beautiful country of ours is literally sunburned. Like the cues in the title. Yeah, Um, Yeah, they, they sort of, they keep banging on about that bit. You know, I do. They like to bang out about that. Everything. And, and, and yeah. lots of water. Lots of water for hydro. Lots of wind. Um, yeah, we're pretty well placed for it. And as well, because when you think mining, you just go, oh, yeah, coal. We also have a lot of the, apparently, a lot of the important metals for a green recovery, like a lot of stuff that goes yeah. into the wind and the solar panels. We have big deposits of it. So, again, there's a great way to make money there. But um, I think the mining industry, well, the coal industry simply is too powerful because that's they when, you know, Rudd was doing the carbon tax, you know, all of a sudden he was down. when when Turnbull was trying to legislate for how many for re, um, reductions they got rid of Turnbull. It yeah, it's a literal it, poison chalice. But you know, there's yeah. there's a strange white knight coming for us on the climate front, Richard. A white knight we never saw coming, um, and that white knight is Barnaby white Joyce. At first light on the fifth day, at dawn, look to the east. <laughs> oh yes, thank God. <laughs> Yeah, no. uh, he's apparently now very upset that nobody's made a climate plan, even though he's forgot he's the deputy prime minister. <laughs> yeah, you're like, no, it's not the government's job to come up with a climate plan. I'm like, I think it's their job to assist, though. I think, I think, I don't think it's a complete hands-off sort of situation, like you seem to be suggesting. Oh my god, god. it was just, it was. Just, I loathe him. I. Passionately loathe him. <laughs> he is genuinely um, the worst. I think he's yeah. arguably in the top three of the most hypocritical politicians that have ever he come just, out anywhere. And it's just, it's unfortunate. Like, you don't want to shame people and things I can't help, but it's also the fact he looks like a malicious hemorrhoid. <laughs> it is. <laughs> the face on him. I can't bear it. Um, and yeah, it's just, yeah. The, hypocritical the most self-serving but i don't know he must be i guess if you're in the room with him and you've got a similar sort of personality he must be very charismatic because his party loves him yeah well the men do the men do the women i think the women are less uh big fan of him because at least there there are a few uh nationals that came forward when he retook the position and was like i i I don't support this um which was encouraging yeah, and mate, I've got a couple of mates up in Tamworth, and and apparently he's incredibly well loved up there. By all accounts, he is really just the the people are a big fan of him. I mean, he's been re-elected a couple of times. Um, yeah, he some- must. He must like. He can't be a complete dead shit. Like, <laughs> some yeah, someone has to vote for you. So he somebody must- has to have. But a big a big part of that as well, I think, uh, he probably does a lot for the people of. Tamworth or wherever, mm. but you kind of like you've got a once you're deputy leader, you've got responsibilities beyond just Tamworth, beyond just one hub. You have to think about the whole country and, by extension, technically the whole planet. Yeah. And so, yes, you might be making Tamworth happy, but Tamworth compared to the rest of the world is a small part of it. And I think 
yeah, great. You're good for your mates in your hometown, but what are you doing? That's good for everyone. And I don't think he does much that's good for everyone. Yeah. And look, Rich, this just might be us, you know, sipping our lattes in lockdown in Sydney, but I completely, I completely agree with you, pal. Like there seems to be, it's this Damoclesian sword climate that's just hanging over all of us all the fucking time. And, and like every time, you know, in and out of the pandemic, you know, climate doesn't fucking stop being an issue just because we've got all these other things which are occupying our minds and, and keeping us locked well, indoors. It doesn't stop being a problem, you know? Well, it shows that what can be done if there is the political will because they found all this money for JobKeeper. Yeah. Um, they were able to, we've been able to really alter how we live very, very rapidly in response to the pandemic. So there is the ability to alter how we operate as a society just so long as there's the political will to do it. Um, and unfortunately, just with a huge portion of uh, our political you know, environment, there isn't the will. Um, it's easier just to keep doing what you're doing, to do the easiest way, to do the cheapest way, the way that makes you know, certain people the most money and then forget everyone else. Because in the end, we're going to make money now if we have a gas-led recovery. Obviously, yeah, it's going to be easier because you don't have to create all new infrastructure for that. And that I, that is a reason where you're like, I can understand why there's the reluctance. You do need to create a whole new infrastructure. But the fact is you're going to have to eventually. Like, mm. the more you put it off, like, it's not like this is going to stop being a thing. The And it's like you, you feel glad that you know at least climate it does feel like is discussed a great deal more and the difference in how scott morrison talks about climate is quite noticeable in how he talks about it now versus how he talks about it about two years ago true but you're sort of like well this is kind of like well in other words in other ways for me that's even more panic stations because you're like oh god now even the climate deniers are recognizing <laughs> that yes it is happening <laughs> They're recognizing that it's happening so that now they're no longer saying, oh, I don't believe it's a thing that's still up in the air. Now they're saying, oh, yes, it's happening. We're just not doing anything. We're doing carbon capture. Yeah. That's what – and so whenever he talks about, oh, yeah, Australia is going to do it through new technology, mining all the way up until 2050 at least because the, you're, the way you're going to mitigate it is through carbon capture, which is just quackery that's spouted <laughs> by the mining industry. Yeah, it, it does. It almost feels like going back to the days of like the 50s and 60s with tobacco being like, oh, no, no, you're just going to smoke the low tar. This is the... Yeah, uh, the low tar cigarettes. We've put a filter in it. 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 Well, it's a carbon when filter. They thought, back when they thought it was smoking cured asthma because they thought it was the same thing as inhaling steam. <laughs> <laughs> you were inhaling a medicinal vapor. It was good for your lungs. And I'm oh, like, boy. have you never been near a fire? <laughs> have you never breathed in smoke? Have you never? <laughs> I'm pretty sure anything that's good for your lungs doesn't make you cough. I'm not a doctor. Like if but you breathe it in and you immediately start <laughs> spluttering, that's because your body is desperately trying to remove it. Get it out. So... Oh, fuck. Hey, Rich, um, what about some things that have been keeping you uh, entertained, my friend? What have you been doing with yourself to keep yourself entertained in, in lockdown in terms of things you're reading, watching, or doing to um, keep your mind off your existential dread? Surprisingly little. Um, 
I, I personally find just sitting there and ruminating. I oh, find yeah. that very effective use yeah. of time. Stare at the it wall, just, Rich. Oh, it yeah, just good. eats your days. It eats does. your day. Eats them. Cheers them um, right up, folks. <laughs> uh, playing video games. I've been working my way through um, just reading some stuff that I've been putting off reading. Currently working my way through the complete works of Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, shit. Um, summer and he he wrote a lot. There's a he did. There's a fair bit. Um, <laughs> some of them are quite good. Some of them are really, really rubbish. What led you um, to Edgar, mate? Pardon, sorry. What led you to Edgar? Um, I was just um saw that we had the book on the bookshelf, and I had recently read a bunch of Lovecraft. Uh-huh. And Lovecraft um was very indebted in his style of writing to Poe and I quite it's kind of your dirty little secret when you say oh I don't mind Lovecraft considering what a hideous racist he was um, <laughs> horrifically bad racist is that everyone everyone talks about oh yes he created that sort of you know existential horror the you know creatures from the dark beyond mm. but mm. what he was really afraid of when you read his works is you know miscegenation so different people from different races having children together was the true horror yeah, of wow. Lovecraft. When you you read some of his stories and you're just like, oh, I'm, I, I might skip this one. Um, and that really and comes it, through because I've, I've always, always wondered that. Like, oh, always... he's, he's, oh, he's real racist. He's yeah, real right. racist. Um, like it's, it's, it's obviously not a major theme in every story, but whenever, it, whenever something comes up about someone who's not a uh, white person, American or English, he loved the English. Um, he never had a positive thing to say about them. Like, yeah, wow. Hated Spanish people. Hated Spanish people. Wasn't a fan of black people. Wasn't a fan of anyone who wasn't from New England. Pretty right, much. Okay. Unless you're white um, and from New England, he does not want to know about you. Uh, yeah, but he was a he was a mess. The man himself, he was a mess. He was yeah. a bit of a like you feel bad saying it, but he was a loser. He yeah. wrote yeah. some interesting stuff, but apart from the hideous racism, he was also incapable of, you know, dealing with life. So I have heard that about him, and and I I was I've always found his monsters to be so awesome. You know, I've always been really yeah. um, blown away by the like Cthulhu and the idea there, and and I loved Lovecraft Country on um, HBO. It's about heroes who get to go on adventures, defeat the monsters, and save the dead. Little boy from the south side of Chicago, the only tourists that get to do that. Uh, I didn't. I did didn't. not. I thought I would. I liked the first episode, but it. I just thought the pacing, usually you like a fast-paced show, but I felt the pacing was way too quick i felt the first two episodes or two or three episodes needed a whole season and it felt like i didn't watch the last two episodes but it just felt like everything was just happening without enough sort of without enough of a deep dive into the plots and yeah. things like that so i was just like going wow a lot is happening dude to these it things. was nuts it was fucking mental. I think it's one of the most genuinely hog wild shows I've ever watched yeah. in my life. Um, I also didn't find it hugely Lovecraftian. It was like just sort of the themes because I just thought it was interesting that it was called Lovecraft Country. 
um, when I was like, oh, I don't. I, granted, I haven't seen like the last two or three episodes, so maybe it all tied up nicely uh, in those episodes. But a lot of the things, apart from obviously the racism, I didn't think a lot of the things they explored in this sort of energy um, was very Lovecraftian, which isn't a bad thing. I just thought it was interesting that it was sort of Lovecraft. I, I believe, and I could be wrong about this, but I believe that it's based on a graphic novel written by yeah, a bunch of African-American writers um, that are sort of like taking Lovecraft's world and, and tweaking it, um, mm. and like that could have something to do as well with the with the hectically fast pace. It, it's also like distinctly unlike any other show I've ever watched. I think it sits in its own genre and world. There's one episode of it, and I don't know if you saw this one, which is just completely Indiana Jones, like bona fide a. Um, no holds barred, like adventure. Oh, the, where they go to the museum. You want to go to the museum, and like for yeah, one episode, seen, we do and Indiana they have Jones, to walk, and they have to walk across that really narrow passage in the dark, and there's yes. like blades and things like that. I have to admit, those sort of things, I'm rubbish to watch movies. I'm getting worse and worse. I'm rubbish to watch movies and shows with it, and I'm like going. The, I just kept sort of saying to Nicole as we're watching it, I'm like, these are normal people. Why are they doing this? <laughs> These aren't adventurous. They weren't expecting this massive chasm. Chasm. Chasm, if I'm going to pronounce words correctly. Um, they weren't expecting this huge expanse under the... And then they fell in the water and they get sucked through the water. I'm like, these are normal people. They, they wouldn't make it. Complete mental breakdowns <laughs> at this. Like, how... Like, they had just, you know, they had just come when they were trying to sacrifice the main character in order to get immortality, I think that was in the second episode. And then the lodge all burns and he, and he kills them all and the building falls down. And then two minutes later, they're just at some party. And I was just like, Oh, well you, you got over that quickly. Um, <laughs> I guess you've dealt with that PTSD you. pretty quickly. Love yeah, that for you. I just, I actually, cause I really liked the performances. I really yeah, liked the awesome. sort of the, the plots and everything. I just, you wanted them to take more time. It was a similar problem that a lot of people had with the last season of game of Thrones mm. where everyone's like, okay, the plot necessarily isn't all bad. It's just happening way too, too fast. fast. Yeah. I felt that too. That was, that was my feeling. I really liked the first episode, really liked the first episode. Yeah. And then I just started to, it just wasn't my cup of tea sure. as it went on. Going back to Poe, my friend, how have you found um, Edgar in comparison or as a follow-on from Lovecraft? Um, Poe's obviously, um, there's a lot less, you know, demons from behind the stars um, and a lot more getting buried alive. Uh, <laughs> He's obsessed. He's obsessed. Um, really? So many stories about uh, people accidentally being buried alive oh, um, or walled up behind something or waking up in a coffin or things like that. So clearly that was a little bugbear he had. Um, Poe is real dense. He's real right. dense. So he's sometimes reading it and particularly if you're tired at the end of the day and you're reading it and you're like, I've got to read this whole bloody page again because <laughs> I have no idea. Like he wrote one, um, he, he's got these two, which I hated. Um, uh, in the domain of Arnheim, I think one is called, and there's a follow-up called Landers Cottage and it's literally him just describing, Landers Cottage in particular is literally just describing this quite pleasant day. 
right. like in about he goes I was on a walk and I found this dale and he describes it in minute detail oh, and he's Jesus. talking about the type of tree and like it's not it, they're short stories but they don't that one did feel short <laughs> and, and at the end because inside the dale there's a house and he's describing the house in again minute detail like you could draw floor plans from yeah. how much detail he goes into it and then he gets into the house there's a beautiful woman and she takes him in and there's like this man sitting on a chair and he's like oh hello and that's the end <laughs> what where he goes in and he sees this man um sitting in a chair and obviously, because you're reading and you can see it, there's not much time left. And yeah, it just didn't. He just. But there are other stories like uh, these. He also wrote. He's less famous for them, but he wrote like a few comic ones. Oh. Um, like there's one called uh, "Loss of Breath," hmm. which I've quite enjoyed. Um, where it's just this guy who loses his breath, as in like it goes. He's lost it. Right. So. Uh, his name's like Lord Lackabreath, and his rival is Lord Windenough. And, and he's like he—he's so ashamed of the fact he can only speak in a whisper, and he's so ashamed that he flees. And he—he uh, he tricks people into thinking he's going to become an actor because he's like, "Oh, this terrible weak voice is perfect for the stage." Ah. And, but he escapes on a train. But then it turns out there's like this. There's this weird like he can't be killed. Oh. Like all these fat sit on him on the train and it breaks his bones and it breaks his neck and he gets th- and they realize because he's died so they throw him off the train oh. and he breaks both his arms and they throw his case after him and it caves his head in but then his body is found and they're doing autopsies on him and he's just like well you know i'm trying to move but they're electrocuting me so they think i'm moving because they're electrocuting me Fuck. and then they bury him in a crypt and then he's again his buried rival, alive yeah buried alive but then his rival mr windenough who his wife has been having an affair with, He it turns out he is also in the crypt because when um, the main character lost his breath, Lord Windenough found it and has, in fact, too much breath and so won't shut up. And so they're able to swap ah, breaths again. Nice. And it's bizarre, but it's very... I liked that one because it's very tried. It's like, oh, it was okay. They threw me out the train and, you know, it was fine. I just broke both my arms. And unfortunately, the case landed on my face and smashed it in. But I was fine. Um, that sounds pretty fun, yeah. Rich. That sounds a lot more fun it's, than I thought Poe would be. I thought it was all yeah, Ravens and Darkness. Stuff, yeah, his comic stuff is not is pretty good. Um, I love that. But yeah. And what about video games, Matt? What have you been playing? I've been working my way through um, The Legend of Zeldas. Oh, shit. Just because I've got, I've got most of those and just because you've got so much time, you're just sort of playing your way through them just to trip down memory lane. I love that, um, man. That's a lovely bit of nostalgia for that ocarina of time. I remember playing that in my teens and loving that shit. Majora's Mask. I finally actually played properly Skyward Sword. Didn't love it, but I've <laughs> I finished. It wasn't, the, it wasn't the best one. It wasn't the best one. Rich, one of the reasons I really um, wanted to have you on this show was that you come in with such a good clear fucking point of view on stuff <laughs> it's usually negative <laughs> it's usually, but when you do you like always, stuff it means that it's genuinely pretty fucking good <laughs> usually i i actually don't i don't mind it um yeah great dude it, yeah 
but yeah, just playing those. I also played just for a while in it, ate some time. It's called Stardew Valley. Oh, the yeah. The farming simulator. And it's a real cartoony, but I decided on the woman I wanted to marry and I just gave her an egg every day until she fell in love with me. <laughs> uh, Did that same trick work with Nicole? Um, well, she doesn't really like eggs. Ah, so I see. It's a problem. Just, yeah. So now everything's falling apart. Everything's, everything's falling apart. Everything's coming down around the edges. Uh, eggs and it's not working and so I'm all out of ideas. I said this to some to Mason I think a couple of weeks ago but I think there's something really comforting in being able to run a strategy game at the moment yeah, like be it a, a oh, farming yeah. simulator or like a, you know something like I've been playing a lot of Civilization um, where you feel like you can just have control over a certain area uh, even yeah, yeah. if it's a digital area for even just a small period of time brings a lot of joy and and i don't know life back into the system i think to feel like you've got some control over something oh yeah definitely it's just you know when you and usually in those games nothing really major goes wrong yes like it's sort of like oh one of my eggplants died but that's okay i'll just go buy some more and they'll have grown by tomorrow like i think i'd enjoy stuff like Farming simulator is a lot worse if there was devastating drought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or, or global a, pandemics. A wildfire. <laughs> a wildfire just could, uh, you know, every time summer came around, you really had to worry that your whole house was going to burn down. And you, and that's the end of the game. You can't keep playing because you've lost everything. <laughs> oh, God. Um, your family gets thrown out so on the yeah. street. You've got to go and start selling drugs <laughs> in the corner and try floods. Send your kids to school. And got typhoid. <laughs> so what are you going to do? What are you going to do with all the typhoid in your town? Oh, yeah. Disaster. What are you going to do? What are you it's gonna great. Do? It's a, genuinely a very good point. Um, Rich, my friend, I'm nearly at the end of my, my time with you today, but I guess I just wanted to ask if there's any final things you wanted to throw out to the people, any final thoughts you wanted to leave people with That's this week. Cool. Well, thanks for sticking with it, if you did, everyone. <laughs> um, I, guess, I guess probably what I was thinking about is don't I guess I think more people need to hear that don't feel pressured to achieve something yeah. in lockdown I know I know that sounds weird but like everyone's like oh I've wasted the time blah 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 it's like no just do what makes you feel happy if just sitting around watching the same TV shows is what is how you enjoy spending your time the most I don't think there's anything to be ashamed of that you didn't learn French <laughs> or that you or you haven't been making you know macrame you you haven't finally finished that poster's wheel when you're not. You haven't replaced all your crockery with handmade thing. Um, obviously, if you feel bad about not, you know, uh, there's something you're putting off. Now is a good time to take it. But if sure. don't, just try and tick off meaningless boxes just because you think you should. Yeah, I guess mate. that's I my advice to people out there. I completely agree with that. Rich and mate, um, take care of yourself, pal. I hope you're able to get safely vaccinated soon and um, give yeah, Nicole a big cuddle for me, will you? I will do. All right. Cheers, mate. Hope you're well and talk to you soon. Thanks, Rich. See you soon, pal. Bye. See you later. Big thanks to Richard Hillier for joining us on the show. Such a great guy. And I really hope he gets safely vaccinated soon. 
Let's do some credits, shall we? All of our news clips today, we had Channel 7 News, ABC News America, BBC News, all dated from the 13th of August, and ABC 7, that is from 3rd of August 2021. We had other clips from Knocked Up, that's TM and Universal, 2007, Austin Powers, 1997 Roadshow, uh, The Lord of the Rings, Two Towers, 2009 Cinema, The Sound of Silence, Best of by Simon and Garfunkel, 1999, and a little bit of Lovecraft Country, that's HBO, 2020. Our backing track this week is Montero Morengue, is by Kevin McLeod from Incompetech. Its album out is called Groovy, it's from 2016, it's really, really good. You should also check out his website, Incompetech.com, he's got a great range of royalty for music over there. All of our other music is used in conjunction with our APRA AMCOS mini license, you can check that out on our website. The Isocast is created, presented, edited, and produced by me, Patrick Cullen, at Ginger Snap Productions. You can get in touch with Ginger Snap Productions at gingersnapsydney at gmail.com. If you can, please like, rate, and review this podcast, subscribe, or tell a mate. We'd really love that. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. And in the meantime, be kind to each other, ladies and gentlemen. Wash your hands, don't touch your face, wear your mask, and get vaccinated!